0: Hello, Lake Avenue. It's good to be with you today. Have you noticed how many pithy statements are around us all the time? In this particular moment, uh, statements like, do the work, or statements that have been around for a while, like righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. These are kind of contemporary proverbs, short pithy statements that are meant to teach us something very practical. And they're around us all the time. And I need you to hear this, I believe that we can find truth everywhere and anywhere, and that a lot of the contemporary proverbs that are around us have really good advice, have really good things to say. But I do believe that in the world that we live in right now, it's the contemporary statements, the contemporary proverbs that are the loudest in the world, and that the biblical proverbs are quiet. Now again, truth can be found everywhere both contemporary Proverbs and in Biblical Proverbs, but we are beginning a series today that's going to continue on for a while for this reason. And the reason is simply to turn up the volume on the truth and the wisdom that God has given us in the Scripture. That there's a need for us to have the volume increased as to what God says is wise as to what God's word says is true. I think what we'll find is a lot of the truths that are out there in the contemporary world actually come out of a lot of what God already says, but it's like we need to get to the source a little bit more. And, and here's why, and I'm paraphrasing a conversation that I observed a couple of people have this week. And the observation was that this person believes that Christians are more likely to look to books than to the scripture on how to navigate life. That so often we really do not want the Bible, instead, we want practical advice, tips, and strategies that have been plucked from all over. And at the same time, many of us confess that we believe the Bible is God's word and that it's authoritative. But we often don't seek the scripture to speak to the daily realities of life. So we skim the scripture devotionally. We get a little bit of intake for what we might need for a moment or might need to prompt us in some time of prayer to get a little bit of dose of the Bible. And then we leave the Bible and frantically search endlessly online, in books, In posts, we search frantically and endlessly and cite frequently other perspectives, other people and other platforms. And in doing so, what we are saying is that really it's other places we find our inspiration. It's other places in which we are searching to figure out what it means to live and to think in this world. It seems that we would rather find someone who affirms what we already believe than submit to the scripture and allow God to tell us what is true, what is good, and what is wise. This is a discipleship problem, and this is why for the next several weeks, we are going to be on a journey both in the book of Proverbs and in the parables that Jesus taught in the book of Luke. Proverbs and parables, truth and wisdom. And I'll allow Matthew, Pastor Matthew, next week to talk about parables, but we're going to begin our series today in the Proverbs. Now, remember this, and you've heard me say this several times the Proverbs sit in a very unique genre of literature in the Bible. It's poetry, it's creative writing, it's the wisdom books. And these books are authored by human beings in their reflections on what it's like to live in God's world. And in those human reflections, we come to this amazing book called the Proverbs. And so would you stand for the reading of God's word as we begin right at the very beginning in Proverbs chapter 1. Just the first seven verses. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of God. You may be seated. And I know many of you didn't stand. That's okay. I didn't last week either. Biblical proverbs are lessons in reality based on real life, real observable life. They speak to observable and practical truths about life, daily life, everything from the way we use our words to the way we have relationship with one another to the ways in which we use our time, money, voice, power, practical stuff here in the Proverbs. They teach us what the Bible calls wisdom. They are not to be read as promises. The Proverbs are not a mathematical equation where if you follow them perfectly, it all works out. Human beings writing, reflecting on human experiences, seeing what generally happens and bringing what the Bible calls wisdom to us. They're read to help us understand how to be on the journey of becoming a wise person and how we are on the journey to become a wise people. And what we learn right away, and we'll look at it in a moment, that wisdom is not natural. You don't just become wise. There's nothing intuitive about becoming wise, that wisdom comes from life. Specifically, wisdom comes from teaching, from correction, from instruction, from discipline and not just the discipline of looking at your Bible, but being disciplined by the God of the world in his truth. And what we learn right away is that there are two kinds of people, according to the Proverbs, the wise and the fool. The wise is the one who embraces instruction. The wise is the person who embraces correction. And the fool is the one who resents and rejects both instruction and correction. So on the onset, to understand the Proverbs, understand this. There is no wisdom without defeat. There is no wisdom without being wrong. There is no wisdom out of your own instinct or your own personal opinion. There is no wisdom without humility. Without being humble enough to say, I need to learn. Without being humble enough to say, I need correction. You will never have wisdom. Wisdom is learned. It's not intuitive. And here's the reality. You and I live in a world where there are fools rushing in all over the place. Fools rush in all over the place. They rush in to say how life really works. They, they rush in to, to offer an opinion. They rush in within moments of hearing something and saying this. They just are rushing all around us. And let me be clear, I'm among them. I'm a fool too. We are all fools at some level so this is not about us in the church saying we are the wise look at all the fools around us when you read the scripture and you read the proverbs and you decide i want to be on the journey of becoming wise what you realize is that our human nature our reality of being human we're just fools but the hope for the fool is that we can change thank you pastor chuck the hope for the fool is that we actually can learn the hope for the fool is that through correction and instruction that we can actually become a wise person. So fools rush in, there are fools all around, and there are fools in the mirror, aren't they? So I just have three observations, really for us as we begin our series and as we look at these seven verses. And the first one is this. We have to understand the objective of the book of Proverbs. That's how this proverb begins. Verse one, we get the title. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David. And talking about all of the Proverbs, in verse two, it says, they were written for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior. Let me be redundant. Proverbs are concerned with practical living. Boots on the ground. Proverbs are not interested in just growing our brains. Proverbs are written so that our brains and our life might be more in cohesion. And what we learn right away is that the objective of the book of Proverbs is to give us wisdom, but that wisdom has two parts, according to these two verses, that are going to show up over and over again in the book of Proverbs. And the first one is the Proverbs are interested in helping us grow in knowledge. Look again, gaining wisdom, understanding insight. There is a place for our brain. And the Proverbs say wisdom is is a person who has knowledge But it doesn't stop there. Notice what it says. For receiving instruction in prudent behavior. The start of verse 3. So it's not just about knowledge. It's actually about character as well. Prudent behavior. This is why it's such a practical book. The objective of Proverbs is to help us become who we are not yet. Which is a full person. But also a full people Lake Avenue Church. Who are marked by both knowledge and character. So the objective is that we are to become a people of both knowledge and character. And these are both required in tandem for wisdom to be present. If you are someone with knowledge but with no character, you are a fool. And there are fools rushing in all over the place. People with knowledge and no character. If you are a person with character without knowledge, even though this sounds rough because we seem to elevate character, at least on our, our, our uh, position, Bible also calls you a fool. You might be a really nice fool, but you're a fool. And there are fools rushing in all around us, people who claim character without knowledge. And then we know this all too well, that there are people with no character and no knowledge And although the Bible doesn't call them this, I will. These are the super fools. And these super fools are rushing in all over the place too. Knowledge and character. That is wisdom. Knowledge and character is wisdom. And the objective of the book of Proverbs is to cultivate a people to this end. Who are marked both by their knowledge and their character. So let's be clear, the objective of the book is to cultivate knowledge and character, becoming wise. Well, what's the evidence of becoming wise? How do we know? How will we know that we are on the journey to becoming wise? That we're on the journey to growing knowledge. The journey to growing in character. I think it's found in the second part of verse 3. When the scripture says the evidence of wisdom. Doing what is right and just and fair. See how the Bible speaks to the moment we are in so clearly? How many times have so many of us read Proverbs 1 and just skimmed over that doing what is right and just and fair is the evidence of being a wise person? See, the Proverbs are a communal book. We read them individually and we ought to as well. Wisdom is learned in relationships and wisdom has an impact on the society, on others, See, the evidence of wisdom, it just doesn't live in a paper, or on a tweet, or on an email forward that you think captures what's really beautiful and true. Wisdom doesn't, it doesn't live on something you've reposted. Wisdom doesn't live in any particular specific ideology. In and of itself. The evidence of wisdom, evidence of being a wise person, evidence of being a wise people is found in a community and a society that is right, just, and fair. Evidence of being wise is if the community and the society around us is right, just, and fair intellect alone will not get us there character alone will not get us there knowledge alone will not get us there but as we submit to God and become wise as we move from being fools to being people who are known as wise if we are really on that journey then everything starts looking different around us Biblical words for right, just, and fair might be words like righteousness, justice, equity. According to the Proverbs, these are all evidence of faithfulness to God and faithfulness to not being a fool and to being wise. Evidence of being a people who are full of knowledge and character, righteousness, our right standing with the Lord can be understood uh, in our as our vertical relationship. One one way to understand that. Justice and equity can be understood in our relationships horizontally with other human beings, with other people. This theme is going to show up over and over again, especially in the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. Listen to Proverbs 2, verse 6: For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in blameless. For he guards the course of the just. He protects the way of his faithful ones. Then, verse 9, you will understand what is right, what is just, and what is fair. Every good path. Do you see, Lake Avenue Church, why we need the Proverbs right now in this world? If the Proverbs are here to instruct us, to correct us, to show us what is right, to show us what is just, to tr- show us what is fair, that's going to require us being exposed to what is not right, what is not just, what is not fair. This is a series Lake Avenue Church that is going to have correction for all of us, me included. And I'm asking you at the onset of this series to commit to a season of correction, a season of ongoing learning. Now, I'm going to get to some points in a moment why I think that's a beautiful thing and not a shameful thing, but let's be clear. When we start meddling with wisdom, we're going to see the fool in us and in the world around us. See, correction requires reflection. Learning asks us to reflect, and when we reflect, we can see what we have not seen before. We can also see the positives of things that have happened before, but oftentimes what I have found when reading the Proverbs, when reading wisdom literature in the Bible, that my reflections backwards require a more of a course correction than an affirmation of the way I've been living. And my guess would be, that's true, not just for me. If you're the one who can read the book of Proverbs and get a great grade and a great score, please let me meet you. Because correction always requires reflection. And reflection requires humility. We have been talking about this for weeks. These are okay statements for a follower of Jesus trying to move from being a fool to being wise. I I didn't know. I don't know. I was wrong. I need to learn. I'm sorry. My life and perspective is limited. Tell me what it's like to be you. These are all really helpful things for the follower of Jesus who is trying to become wise and stop being a fool. And reflection is going to require humility. I've been at this church 20 years, over 20 years, and I have, can I just, I've been reflecting. Here's my attempt at some humility. There are tons of moments, many conversations, many reactions, emails, words, thoughts that I would love to redo in my tenure here at Lake Avenue Church. There have been plenty of moments where the objective of what my ministry mindset was, was not about righteousness, was not about justice, and was not about equity. There are plenty of non-pieces of fruit from my ministry that don't pour out justice and righteousness. 20 years in one place, being one person, when you reflect, it takes humility to understand where you've been. And yes, there's some beautiful things I would reflect on too. Lake Avenue Church, we've been around for more than the 20 years I've been here. We have been around for over 120-something years. And while there is so much to celebrate in that history, if there's anything being taught in the world we are living in right now, that it might be good to have some reflection. But reflection requires humility. And I believe that we are in the midst of a season where the kinds of reflection that are needed for correction are huge. So it requires us to do what I've been doing the last many weeks is doing a lot of listening to a lot of you. Hearing your stories. Hearing your experiences. And while there's so much to celebrate, I've heard some very difficult things. And I've known of difficult things. And if we're going to be in a season of being wise and being truthful to require us to have some institutional reflection and some institutional humility. And, and let's not limit it to just me as an individual and you as an individual, us as an institution. This is really what's happening nationally right now. It's some national reflection, some national humility. I, I'm, I'm actually quite grateful for the way Annie, Pastor Annie led us in prayer because it, it, it was reflective. And it looked back at, yes, there's this amazing freedom that we benefit, many of us benefit from, but it came at a cost. Some really struggle this weekend, and I understand. And here's the thing, the struggle with celebrating the 4th of July isn't something that has now landed because of COVID-19 and because of the, uh, the uh, social reform that is happening in our time. This has been around a long time, not even a hundred years into the history of our nation. And this has become more and more popular. I hope you read the speech that Frederick Douglass gave in 1852. Here's just a snippet. And see how it it mirrors the kind of reflection where we look back at our history when he says the blessings, he's talking about the 4th of July. He didn't do it on the 4th, he did it on the 5th. The blessings in which you this day rejoice are not enjoyed in common. The rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. The sunlight that brought light and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice, but I must mourn. Fools rush in. Fools rush in. Wisdom says pause and reflect. Wisdom says reflection requires humility. Why is it that Frederick Douglass wrote those words? And why is it? Because the reality is the evidence of being wise is just, right, and fair. And in this broken world with broken people, let's just recognize that this isn't the wisest place, that we're not the wisest people, so that we might accept the invitation from Jesus to become more wise. How we look backwards matters as a nation, as families, as a church, as individuals. Now, I believe some of you are thinking what I'm thinking as I was writing this. Man, this seems like a lot of work. (laughs) So Jeff, just grow in knowledge, develop character, do what is right, do what is just, do what is fair, spend time in reflection, remain humble. This is quite a list, And the reality is it is a list, and this list can feel very heavy if we see the work of becoming wise as something we have to do on our own and muscle through. This is actually one of my concerns around the very moment we are in as a people. That the the modern Proverbs, the contemporary Proverbs, are putting a whole lot of weight on human beings to generate wisdom on their own. That if we just read enough, then all of a sudden we'll be transformed and become wise. Let me be clear, we need to read. But there is a source for wisdom. That's why we are part of the body of Christ. And that source says you are not alone in this journey of turning from being a fool to becoming wise. This source tells us that he actually can make things right and just and fair and that this is the work he is doing in this world and that our opportunity is to join him in this work. But the narrative that we are living in says that we can gather what is right. We can gather what is just. We can do fairness on our own apart from what I believe is the pinnacle of the verses we have read in verse 7 when it says what is probably the most popular part for many of us who've been around church The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What we can hear in this, what does it mean that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge? Wisdom has a home. It's not simply generated out of thin air. In what might be the most famous proverb about the fear of the Lord being the beginning of knowledge... Theologian Amy Paws says it better than I can, and so I want you to read this quote with me. Speaking about verse 7, the entire wisdom of Proverbs is thus couched in a worldview that acknowledges the sovereignty of the Holy One and the dependence and limitations, both cognitive and moral, of human beings. Acquiring wisdom is not a human self-help project, But I love this. Listen to this. But a creaturely response to the fearsome, gracious, and wise presence of God. God is acknowledged as the source of human wisdom. The futile and deadly alternative to fearing the Holy One is trying to be wise in one's own eyes. A worldview that acknowledges the sovereignty of the Holy One. A worldview that says wisdom has a home and a source that's, that's more massive than anything I can generate on my own. That I am not the one who decides what is right, fair, and just, but that God has decided what these things are. But I believe that we have a battle happening in the worldview definition in the church. And I think there's two kinds of folk here. I think some of you are watching this message because your family's asked you to watch this message or you're reluctantly watching this message because the reality is the idea of fearing the Lord and wisdom having a home, like your experience of the people of God and your experience of church is anything but that. And then there's another group of people who can't understand why anybody would ever think that. Just trust the Lord because I believe that there's been a tragic divorce that was never intended to happen. And it goes right back to verse 3. That there's a battle in this world that almost verse 3 was written to do what is right or to do what is just. That righteousness and justice have been divorced and they have never been intended to be divorced. In the Bible, their family, their friends... But in the world we live in and in the church in general, these these concepts have been divorced. And that is the world we find ourselves in. I'm asking them to drop into the chat a sermon everybody needs to read, uh, to watch from April 4, 2018 by the Reverend Dr. Charlie Dates when he's reflecting on the ministry 50 years later of Martin Luther King Jr. And he says something so profound. And when you watch him say it, you're going to get mad that I tried to do it. Charlie says, we who are righteous ought to be found fighting for justice. Throughout the scripture, the notion of righteousness and justice are not to be separated, so why have we? No church ought to be declaring something righteous that is not just. How is it that for so long, American Christianity has had its finger on the parsing of the word righteousness, but its feet far from fighting for justice? And now we're witnessing the emergence of a new generation of Americans who are fascinated by justice, but they haven't met the author of righteousness. They're trying to get justice on the streets apart from understanding righteousness taught in the church. And they will never find it. And at the same time, we have a church that are preaching righteousness but will not fight for justice. Both of these are insufficient. Both are incomplete. Neither represent the full scope of God's call upon us. The source of wisdom is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in fearing the Lord, what we recognize is that there is a way of living that God has prescribed for us, his people. And that way throughout the scripture is revealed. And in the book of Proverbs, we learn right away that that way has to do with a society and a people that are just, that are right, and that, is, that are fair. And there is a divorce that should have never happened And I love Pastor Charlie's I don't think, by the way, what he's saying is you shouldn't be fighting for justice in the streets. That is not what he's saying. But he's saying when we live the divorce, when we don't get the fullness of righteousness and justice being together, we're going to be fools and we're going to be tired. And so whether your your proclivity is to fight for justice without recognizing the righteousness of God, you're going to get tired. And it's and, it, and, it, and its fullness won't come. And if you are those that, that, that just believe in the righteousness at the expense of justice, you're going to be a fool as well. And you are going to be tired. And I'm speaking in the mirror, friends. Don't misunderstand the authority in which I'm speaking. Both are required because fearing the Lord requires humility. Humility. To see that our definitions of what is wise are limited without being informed by God. Fearing the Lord requires correction. Fearing the Lord requires reflection. Fearing the Lord requires humility. And in that humility, I think what we will find is what I find all the time. That there's a reality in humility of love. There's a reality in humility of freedom. That the weight of the world and the the role I am to play into making this world more righteous, more just, more fair. That that comes from a freedom that is found in the love of God. A reality of God who's on the side of both righteousness and justice. (coughs) And it is there, it is here where we find wisdom. Not only find wisdom, but the source of wisdom. And that is the presence and love of Jesus. I love what Ray Ortland Jr. says. If you would like to experience God with that humility, here's how you can. You look at the cross. You see a wise man hanging there, dying in the place of fools like you, because he loves you. You may despise him, but he does not despise you. You may be above him, but he humbled himself for you. Look there at him. Look away from yourself. Look at him and keep looking until your pride melts. You will not only worship, but you will begin to grow wise. Lake Avenue Church, as we enter in this multi week series about truth and wisdom, I pray that what we're doing is not just learning tips about how to have some hacks in life and get better at living, but my prayer is that we would encounter the source of wisdom, that we would encounter the person of Jesus and the way he instructs us to live and to value, and that we would be transformed as a people. And the evidence of our transformation will not just be when we can come back into this room, how many people are filling up the seats, and how big our budget is, but it will be around how righteous our community is, how just our city is, how fair this world is. See, when we look long enough at Jesus, yes, our prize melts, our wisdom grows, and we realize we realize that without Jesus, we're worth no hope.